You are listening to a sermon brought to you by Shatter State Chi Alpha. I pray that this sermon will bless you and teach you something new today. And you can find a link to our website in the info. Check it out and shoot us a message. We would love to hear from you. I'm going to introduce Luke. Come on up. Luke Store, And I'll let him introduce himself. Go at it, man. Thanks so much, Tanner. It is great to be with you. So my name is Luke Storer, and I've got a picture of my family that's one of the slides here. My wife and I are going to be missionary associates uh, going to the country of Malawi, and uh, we have been living in Mullen. How many of you guys know where Mullen's at? A lot of you do. Those of you who don't know, do you know where North Platte is? Yeah, so we're 75 miles north of North Platte, 500 people, and, and lots more cows than that. And uh, there's my family, my wife, Bethany, and my kids, Deborah, Ezra, Simeon is there, and Nehemiah, and we have a baby who's two months old. I don't have the new picture uh, with including her on the slides yet, but she's two months old, and her name's Esther. And so Deborah's eight, and then seven, and there's the two-year-old and the four-year-old there. And so um, that's my family. We've been pastoring in Mullen. For the, for the last seven and a half years. And uh, this last year, we were making some preparations to go to the country of Armenia. And then suddenly, that opportunity closed, and we're like, okay, what are we going to do now? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? Uh, and we ended up with uh, Malawi, Africa. And so when you look at our table, there's a couple things on there that might say Armenia on them. And we are going to Malawi, but... The, the cards didn't get changed yet either. Um, if my kids were here, they'd come up and, and stand up here and they'd each tell you about, I better not stand in front of that or I'm going to get feedback. They'd tell you uh, that the black on the flag, the Malawi flag, represents the people of Malawi. The red represents their struggle for freedom and the green represents the beautiful green countryside. And then my little two-year-old says, the sun is for hope. It's hope for the future. And I've got those back at our table there. I've got pictures of our family, like what you have on the screen. And these are just ways you can pray for us. Uh, stick these things. If you, if you would like to take those, you can take them and stick them someplace where you uh, are reminded to pray for Malawi or for our family. Now, uh, next thing that happens is my wife usually shares. Usually we all travel together and, and they weren't, oh, I should tell where I've been. So um, yesterday... Uh, we rode bike. There's a group of us that are doing a missions bike ride, and we rode bike from Shadron over to Crawford. And then today we rode from Crawford up to Hot Springs. And so in the last 24 hours, we've biked 90 miles, and my knees are a little stiff, and I'm a little sore. There's a group of about eight of us that are raising money for missions and, and traveling. We're going to go up through the Black Hills on the Mickelson Trail, and then back down and land in, in Shadron here on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to make that announcement now while I'm thinking of it, since then you don't have to remember to do that. Uh, Toby Schneckloth, who is in charge of the ride, he says, we need uh, someone who can help us out on Sunday, a support driver. The support driver travels behind the bike riders and then helps out if they have any trouble and also helps the drivers that are coming down the road see that there's, there's bikers there, kind of a warning thing. So our person who's been doing that and going to be doing it all week won't be able to do it on Sunday. And if anyone has time and interest, um, let me know afterwards. Uh, 
on Saturday at three o'clock, there'll be uh, a van, you can take that up to Hot Springs, and then spend the night, Toby will pay for the hotel and all your meals, and then uh, follow the bike riders down here to Shadron, be done about one o'clock on Sunday. So let me know if one of you guys would like to give to missions in that way. It's not a money way, it's a time and an effort thing so that the rest of us can do what we're doing. So that's what we've been doing. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be going up to Hill City and the day after that to Deadwood and it's going to be a great time. Already has been. The, this whole area is beautiful. If you guys ever get a chance to drive that road between Crawford and Hot Springs, there's just some great views out there. It's really excellent. So then, now I'll get back to my notes where... Um, my wife always asked, what, what, what did you want to be when you were growing up? I was, as I was meeting you guys, I, I asked some of you guys, what, what is your dream job? What are you studying right now? You remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? Maybe it was a firefighter. Maybe it was a marine biologist and work with dolphins. Uh, whatever it was, when my wife was five years old, she heard a young single woman came to her church and shared about how she was being a missionary to Croatia. And when she heard that missionary share, she, she knew in her heart that God was calling her to be a missionary. And so ever since she was five years old, that's been her dream job, uh, is to, to be a missionary. Uh, my wife and I went to Trinity Bible College. It's a little school up in Ellendale, North Dakota. And she, she studied missions because that was her dream job. Uh, Twelve years ago, she made a, uh, a trip for ten weeks to Africa, went to the country of Malawi, the same country that we're going to now, and she spent ten weeks there and just had an amazing experience in Malawi. She didn't know that twelve years later that we'd end up going back to that same country, and we didn't know, you know, a year ago, we didn't think we were going to Africa either. So it's just interesting how God brings all things together and guides our steps now, I wanted to share a little bit about how I felt called to missions, because it wasn't when I was five years old. I was in college, like you guys, I, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life yet. I wasn't certain what it was. Uh, I've always been taught and believed that God calls people to all fields, right? Whether it's, it's coaching or physical therapy, whether it's law or medicine or construction or whatever it is, that God created you with special skills, abilities, a special personality, your, your own spiritual gifts, and God wants you to use those things for his glory. And so I, I believe that thing, and I believe that God would guide us, guide me as I was a high school student going into college, guide me into what I was supposed to do, but I, I couldn't figure it out. I went to Trinity Bible College. I figured I'd spend a year or so there and then go on and get, do what I really was supposed to do. And uh, in that process, I began to discover that, wow, I really love doing ministry. I got to travel with a worship team. And wow, I love doing ministry. And I love what I'm learning here. The Bible is so much deeper than just the Bible stories. Like if, if you get time to study into the history and culture and really get in depth in the Bible, there's so much more to learn. I grew up in church. My dad's a pastor. Uh, and so I thought I knew a lot of stuff, but then I got to Bible college and I realized, wow, there's so much more to learn still. And, and I really was enjoying what I was learning. Then... I still didn't know what I was supposed to do. But I knew that, that people who are called into ministry, the way I heard it growing up, the way I experienced it, what happened is that you'd go to a special retreat or a camp and you would 
experience the power and presence of God. If you were called to ministry, you'd be praying and maybe you'd have a vision of you speaking in front of a group of people. Or maybe uh, someone who, like the camp speaker or something, would be praying over you and give a prophetic word saying, this is God's will for your life. And so I was waiting, if God wanted to call me into ministry, I was waiting for something really dramatic. I figured one day in my dorm room, God would begin writing a message to me on the wall, or the skies would open up, and Jesus would descend and tell me, Luke, you're called to be a pastor or a missionary, and I wasn't experiencing any of those things. Instead, what I had was I had a required class that I didn't want to take. You ever have a required class? You're like, I don't want to take that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to take this class. It was actually an introduction to missions class. And I had a bad attitude about the class. I thought, I already understand, like, the Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. How are they going to spend a whole semester telling me this? And uh, so I, I went in with a bad attitude. But as I was there, I discovered, wow, the whole Bible, not just the Great Commission at the end of the Gospels when Jesus is sending out his disciples, but the whole Bible has this theme of God caring not just about the Israelites, God's people, not just about the church, but about the whole world. There are themes throughout the Bible that that say that the whole world is something that God cares about. He wants people all over the world to know about him. And I began to get this heart for missions, like, wow, missions is like the most important thing. Whatever I want to do, I want to Make sure I'm a missions-minded person. And in this time, I'm praying, like, God, if you want to call me to missions, you can go ahead and do that. But like I said, I was expecting something, like maybe cafeteria, alphabet soup, the letters to rearrange or something, you know. Write out a message, Luke, you're supposed to go to Malawi. I didn't have any of that. Instead, there was a missionary who came and spoke to our class, and he said, he told us his story. He said, I've always wanted to be a missionary, He said, ever since I was young, I wanted to be a missionary. And I said, God, if you'll use me, I'll be a missionary. He said he volunteered for missions. And I thought, what? Do they allow that? I thought God had to draft you in. I didn't know you could volunteer. But we see it in the Bible. We have a slide for that. Isaiah 6, 8. (coughs) Excuse me. The prophet Isaiah hears God speak. God says, whom shall I send Who will go for us? And Isaiah volunteers. He says, here am I, Lord. Send me. And so hearing this missionary talk about how he volunteered and sensing this burden in my heart that missions is really a big deal and it's really important. It's God's heart. I said, okay, well then I guess I'm going to volunteer. I don't hear God speaking to me in a dramatic way, but I'm willing. Here am I. Send me. Since then, God's confirmed that call beyond the volunteering. There's been people in my life who've said, yes, I see, I see that in your life. I think you're on the right path. People that I respect and trust. There's been that peace in my heart that, yes, I'm in the right place. This is what God wants me to do. But that's kind of my story. And I want to encourage all of you to have a volunteer spirit in your heart. It says, here, my Lord, send me. That doesn't mean that you have to join us in Africa. You can have a volunteer spirit right here and and live in Nebraska and say, God, I'm willing to do whatever, anything you want me to do, I'm ready. I'm your man. I'm here. I'm your woman. I'm here. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to. I'm going to go out of order to, I'm not going to do the video next. I'm going to talk a little bit about Malawi. 
We are going to be Assemblies of God missionary associates to Malawi, and we're so excited about this. We're going to partner with some career missionaries. Their names are Lance and Mindy Hines. We're going to join a whole team of missionary educators going to Malawi, and we're going to serve for two years as we pray about giving a lifetime to missions. People ask us, why are you excited about Malawi? It's because the church in Malawi has such a heart to reach their nation and to reach the world. Does anyone know where Malawi is? I didn't know where it was either. It's a narrow landlocked, we've got a slide here, I think. It's a narrow landlocked country in Southeast Africa. It borders Tanzania, Zambia, and Mozambique. Malawi is about half the size of Nebraska. And we're going to live in the capital city of Lilongwe. It's a beautiful country full of friendly people. It's known as the warm heart of Africa. The Malawian Assemblies of God has this wonderful vision. They want to see a healthy church within walking distance of every person in their country. And they're beginning to do it. They're already planting hundreds of churches every year. But there are still hundreds and even thousands of unreached villages in Malawi. And there are lost people across the continent of Africa. In Africa, 240 million people, nearly a third of the population of the continent, have not yet been reached with the gospel of Christ. Many of these people have no access to the gospel. They're part of 867 unreached people groups. They live in cultures where they have no Bible in their home. They don't have a Christian friend or a neighbor to tell them about God. There's no church where they can go and hear about Jesus Christ. They're Muslims and Hindus and people of tribal religions. But the Malawi Assemblies of God is shining the light of Jesus to the lost world around them. They are preaching the gospel. They are planting churches. And now they're sending their own missionaries, missionaries from Malawi to places like Sudan, Zimbabwe, Swaziland, and India. But they need training. The hope of Africa is trained leaders, Pentecostal pastors who know the word of God and can discern the difference between the gospel and destructive false teaching. So we want to be a part of this powerful work in Africa. We want to teach these people. If someone says to you, Africa, the dark continent, what does that trigger in your heart and your mind? Do you think of witch doctors, tribal chiefs, AIDS orphaned children, Muslims? What would it be like to be their neighbor? When you think of these people, do you think of love or hate? Do you think of kindness or violence? Do you think of radical groups who persecute and kill Christians? Or do you think of kind, hospitable people who could be your friends? This question is relevant in today's world because Africans aren't just somewhere over there. They're here in Nebraska. For example, there's growing populations of Africans in Lexington and South Sioux City. You might even see a Muslim when you go shopping. So the question is, how do you view them? Do you realize they are loved by God? They're fully capable of responding to the gospel. 
They're fully, fully capable of being forgiven. They are reachable. God loves them so much. They only need someone to help them find Jesus. Someone who will step out and be a friend. And all that begins with is just a simple hello. In just a moment, we're going... In just a moment, we're going to... I'm going to illustrate that, but first I'm going to show this video, and then Tanner's going to uh, do the announcements, and then I'll come back and illustrate what I'm talking about when I'm saying that God has the ability to transform these lives. This is Malawi, my home, the warm heart of Africa, home to 18 million people and 26 people groups. The wind of the Holy Spirit is moving here among us. Our dream in Malawi is to have a healthy church within walking distance of every person. I am Pastor Emmanuel. I studied at Bible school and then planted this church. All of these people can tell a beautiful story about how God changed them. The gospel has affected everyone. We are eager to tell others how Jesus is the way to God. Lives are changing. Our communities are changing. Everyone should have a church they can walk to. And by God's grace, we have made a good start. So many churches already, but still so many dark places that are not reached. Many more churches are needed. To plant churches, we first need pastors. Many are willing to go and preach, but we cannot send them without ministry training. Reaching the unreached of my country is worth it. Yes, one church can transform a community. I have seen it. So many villages and tribes still need to hear about Jesus. I am Paul, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and a missionary, an apostle from Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. God gave his grace to me, the least of all God's people, to preach about the immeasurable riches of Christ to the nations. But I in the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I, I persecuted the church of God. At that time, I was known by the name of my birth as Saul. When I was younger, I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of my ancestors. Oh, I was very zealous for God. I conformed to the strictest sect of my religion, living as a Pharisee. But then, 
came that Jesus and all of his controversial teaching. After his crucifixion, we thought that would be the end of it. But his disciples began spreading these lies. They claimed that Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. I watched as more and more became followers of that, that Nazarene. And it filled me with such indignation that I became convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is what I did. Breathing out murderous threats against them, I persecuted the followers of this way, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme when they were put to death. I cast my vote against them. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was headed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, as I was nearing the city, I saw a light from heaven. It was brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Hebrew, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Jesus, was it even possible? The voice continued, Now get up. Go into the city. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. The men traveling with me stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they saw no one. I got up from the ground, but when I opened my eyes, I could see nothing, for the brilliance of the light had blinded me. And so they led me by the hand into the city. And for three days I was blind. I did not eat or drink anything. In that time I just wrestled with all that had been revealed to me. Could Jesus really be alive? Is he the Lord? What does all this mean? About this time. God began speaking to a Christ follower named Ananias. Jesus called out to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Oh, but Lord, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said, go. This man 
is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And so, in astounding obedience, and despite all of his fears, Ananias went to the house where I was staying, and he entered it. And even though he knew of all the harm I had done to the church and how I had come to imprison and torture those who call on the name of Jesus, he laid his hands on me and he called me brother. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as he was praying, something like scales fell from my eyes. And I could see again. Ananias spoke to me. He said, the God of our fathers has chosen you. To know his will. And to see the righteous one. To hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all peoples of what you have seen and heard. And now, get up, be baptized, calling on his name, washing your sins away. And so I, Saul, who had despised the name of Jesus, became his disciple. Jesus spoke to me. He said, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one. Jesus said, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And so I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, Then to those in Jerusalem and all Judea and then to the Gentiles I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. When I came to Jerusalem, I tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of me, not believing that I really was a disciple. And who could blame them after all the harm I had done? But a dear man by the name of Barnabas came. He took me to the apostles. He told them the story of how I had seen the Lord. How in Damascus I had preached in his name. Barnabas, such a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. It was Barnabas who found me years later and brought me to Antioch. And together we met with the church and taught great numbers of people for a whole year. Since then, by God's grace, I have been a messenger from Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. In fact, it was with Barnabas that I began my first missionary journey. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done by the power of his spirit. In this way, I fully proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from Jerusalem, through Asia, Macedonia, Achaia, all the way to Illyricum. 
And my ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard rather than where the church has already been started by someone else. As it is written, those who've never seen will believe and those who have never heard will understand. But now, I've finished my work in these regions And after all these long years, I am eager to visit Rome. And then I will go on and preach the gospel in Spain. But none of this would be possible if it were not for two brave men. Men who risked their lives in faith and obedience to the Holy Spirit. You see, it was not safe for Ananias and Barnabas to befriend me. For all they knew... I could have been feigning my conversion in an attempt to capture more believers. But they did not let fear keep them from obedience to God. Considering their lives nothing, they stepped out in faith to obey God. We need more people like Ananias and Barnabas. People who will befriend and encourage those who are not safe. Yes, even those who would like to see believers stopped or put to death. Because when we love our enemies and do good to those who persecute us, we are living out the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now may God empower you with the kind of faith to love people like this. May Christ be with you wherever you go. Amen. We believe in the power of God to transform lives. We believe that the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God pursues people that everybody else has written off and said they're never going to change. They're too addicted to the, their drugs or to alcohol. They're, they're too abusive in their relationships. They have a bad background, whatever it is. They're atheists. They, they are, in the, the case of Africans, they're tribal chiefs with witch doctors and, and false religions. They're too far from the love of God. They're Muslims. They want to see Christians killed. They're too far from the love of God. The love of God is never-ending. It doesn't break, and it is reckless. He chases down and loves those who do not deserve it. People like you and me, and those people around us who everybody else has given up on. God has the power to transform lives. I want to challenge you to be an Ananias or Barnabas in someone's life. To come along somebody who isn't exactly safe and begin being their friend. Sharing the gospel begins with friendship. It's after you've demonstrated the love of God, just by being there, loving people just the way they are, that they care about you enough that they think, well, maybe I'd like to hear what they have to say. I want to encourage you to have that, build those kind of friendships with people. It's so easy to surround ourselves with a bubble of Christianity. People who think like us, who share our faith, who 
have the same values as us. There's this common ground that we have. And it's easy to surround ourselves with those people. But how are the lost going to hear about him and discover God's love if we don't step out of that comfortable place and begin building relationships with people who are far from him? As I mentioned, there are people in Africa who need an Ananias or Barnabas. In fact, there are hundreds of millions of people. And that's why we're going to Africa. That's why we're leaving the United States. We want to be part of seeing these lost people reach. We want to raise up a generation of people like Ananias and Barnabas who will befriend and encourage the faith of dangerous people. We're going to encourage and equip the church. We want to equip Africans with the tools they need to become pastors, church planters, and missionaries to the unreached lost of the world. We don't want to just train pastors and teachers. We want to train trainers so that we can multiply our efforts as we don't always have to teach everybody. Now Africans can begin teaching each other. Biblical training, I get so excited about biblical training and becoming a teacher in Africa. And the reason why is because Training is a critical need and a strategic opportunity. It's a critical need because there are people who are saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Lots of people are responding to the gospel and saying, hey, I want to follow Jesus, but they don't have any clue what that means. And so someone can come along and say, well, this is what it means, and they can lead them astray. Someone else can say, this is what it means, and they don't have any example. They don't, have, they don't know God's word yet. They're just new believers. And even People who are leaders in the church are led astray because they don't have enough training. We need to conserve the harvest. These people that are being saved, we need to make sure that they, their faith continues to grow. Like the, the story that Jesus told of the, the seed that's scattered, some of it lands on the path and the rocks and the weeds and so on good soil. We don't want Satan to snatch away the, the gospel out of people's hearts like the bird snatches the seeds off the path. We don't want to see people's faith never grow deep because they just have this shallow faith and it's like the seed in the rocks and then just wither and die because it has no depth. We don't want to see it choked out by the cares of the world, by the deceitfulness of wealth. We want to see it produce a crop 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. And that's why I like to say it's not just a critical need, it's a, it's a great opportunity, an incredible opportunity for the future because these Africans are so fervent, Pentecostal, enthusiastic. They not only hear the word of God, they want to put it into practice. And so if we train them, they're ready to go out and do it. And they can do so much more than we can do. If, if we train them, they can go so much further than we are going. In the last 25 years, the Assemblies of God in Africa grew from 2 million to now 25 years later, 22 million. It's incredible growth. The growth is continuing, but we need to conserve that harvest. And then what would happen if we train these people to become pastors and missionaries and church planters? What are they going to do to reach Malawi, to reach the 867 unreached people groups of Africa, to reach the rest of the world? Only God knows, but we believe that there is an opportunity right now. And so we are going to be a piece of the puzzle, just one piece of the puzzle of reaching the unreached in Africa. In order for us to go, we need those who will partner with us. 
And as our calling has resonated with your hearts, if it's if it struck a chord with you, we would ask you to pray for us. Partner with us through prayer. I told you there are pictures of our family. That's our prayer card. You can stick it somewhere in a Bible, in a book, on a fridge, on a mirror, and remember to pray for our family. It has our contact information on the back if you're ever looking to get a hold of us. Would you pray for us? We believe that the prayers of righteous people like you are powerful and effective. We're asking for people to partner with us in prayer. We're asking, also asking for people to partner with us in giving. Now, I know you guys are college students, and you don't have a lot of resources. But I want to also just give you the opportunity that if God has laid it on your heart to give something, that you would do that. We need monthly partners who can partner with us every month while we're there. We also need one-time gifts. And those monthly partnerships don't have to be huge amounts of money. We've got people supporting us at $10 a month. And if God lays it on your heart, if it resonates with your heart, and you're wanting to do that, let me know. And we'll let you know how to uh, become one of those partners. Third, I want to challenge you to go. God uses ordinary people from when they're five years old to when they're 85 years old. He uses ordinary people with a volunteer spirit that says, Here, my Lord, send me. There's opportunities to go. Sometimes it's an opportunity to go to a country for 10, 10 days, a couple of weeks. You can serve and experience the culture. You can go for a year or two like we're doing. And you can give a lifetime to missions. And even if God doesn't prompt you to cross an ocean, to get on an airplane, to fly to another country, I want to encourage you to go. To be that Ananias, that Barnabas in someone's life right here on this campus, back in your homes, wherever you go after this, as you go into your careers. Be that kind of person. Go into this world and share the never-ending unbreaking, reckless love of God. There's one last thing I'd like to pray with you guys. Would you bow your heads? I believe God's going to speak to you in this moment. That he's either going to lay on your heart a person that you need to reach out to, or maybe there's already that person in your life and God's going to give you a step. Or maybe both things. A person that you need to reach out to and the step of how to do that whether it's taking them out for coffee or playing video games with them in the dorm or whatever it is, something that builds relationship. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to prompt you to do something, to take what you've heard today and put it into practice. God, we believe that as you're speaking to hearts right now, that you're going to do great things in and through these people. I ask you, give each of us the courage, the faith to step out of our comfort zone, to lay aside our lives and do whatever you ask us to do. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for this opportunity to to be here with you, to share this with you. God bless you guys.